Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Nancy, and you are listening to episode number 10 of Nancy at Noon. Today's episode is called Accepting the Unacceptable. If you've ever been in love and had your heart broken, you know how devastating it can be. Sometimes it hits people so traumatically it ruins their lives because they don't know how to pick up the pieces and start over. Today, I'm going to talk about how you can start to rebuild your life after a devastating breakup. Welcome to Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon, the show that takes an honest look into the heart of all things that shape the fabric of your entire life. And now, here's Nancy. Hello again. I want to send a shout out to all my listeners in New Jersey. Thanks for tuning in to listen so early in the morning. And a personal thank you to Al Gordon for hosting my show on your station each week. I really appreciate it. Keep it rocking, Al. All right, let's talk about breakups. Breakups aren't fun. Regardless of who left whom, the pain is real for both people involved. And and it's not easy to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Put on a smile and go about your day as if that deep, gaping wound doesn't exist. I haven't told you much about me, but I've been through one of those breakups. Mine was a 30-year marriage with kids and pets and the whole works. I suffered great depression and anxiety, serious post-traumatic stress disorder, and had no desire to go on living. I live in a rural community, so I was very isolated and felt alone. I had been trying for years to keep the family together, but they just didn't want it. They all wanted to go their separate ways, and they all used me as a scapegoat for whatever was wrong in their life. And to be honest, they were worse than horrible to me. Anyway, that was six years ago, and today I am happier than ever. But I'm happy because I took the time and made the effort to heal myself, start over, and rebuild my life. And in the process, I developed the tools and techniques to help others start over and rebuild their lives, too. When I'm not doing this radio show, I'm helping people pick up the pieces and start their lives over after devastating breakups because I know the steps out and I was given the gift and the desire to help others. Traditional methods don't work. Life has changed, the times have changed, and people have changed. We know more now than we did 20 or 30 years ago. Traditional counseling requires you to talk about your problems and rehash the story and the way you feel or felt over and over and over again. All that does is keep you spinning in the same story and the same sadness. You get what you focus on. Whenever we think about a sad time, we feel sad again. A man came and rented a room from me recently, and he he stayed for a couple days. I'll call him Dan. Dan rented from me about, oh, I don't know, about five or six months ago because he had broken up with his woman friend, or she had broken up with him. Actually, at that point, I'm not sure which way it was. And he needed a place to stay so he could heal. Apparently, he went back to her once or twice since the last time I saw him after saying it was definitely over. You know, that happens to so many people. They say it's over, but they don't want the relationship to be over. They want the pain and the suffering to be over. Anyway, this time around, he was totally devastated, way worse than before. He said he couldn't get over the breakup, that he regrets so much. If he had only done this different or that different... He went on for about three hours the first day and another couple hours the second day, spewing negativity. I like this man. He's decent, honest, caring, and he's helpful. 
you know, basically your average nice guy neighbor, but he didn't want to make any changes in his life to be the guy he knows he can be. He didn't want to stop talking about his story, no matter how hard I tried to get him to focus on something different and explain how it's really not helpful to keep focusing on the story. And that's the real issue when we continually talk about our woes over and over again. It keeps us stuck in the negative emotions that are part of that story. If we look at it from a scientific point of view, all matter is energy, waveforms and vibrations. Our thoughts are also waveforms and vibrations. Thoughts infused with emotions literally create matter. So as you stand there telling someone how much your life sucks or how broken you are from what this man or woman did to you, you are literally creating that reality and keeping it present. You are vibrationally creating your reality. We all do all the time, whether we're aware of it or not. You are shaping your story. When you put a certain current or vibration through what we see or consider matter, it will align itself in such a way that it will take on the shape of the vibration that you exude. If you think it and feel it and exude the vibration that you are broken and depressed and worthless, then life has no option but to give that to you because creation does not have a free will of its own. It provides the current and you provide the direction. Creation is okay with your choice, regardless of what it is. It manifests into matter exactly what you tell it vibrationally to become. Sometimes creating what we want is as simple as changing the story in our head or the story we tell others. I'm not saying the pain isn't real. I know it's real. I went through it. I experienced all the self-loathing for not being a better person and not being who they needed or wanted me to be. The regret that maybe I could have done something different. Always wondering if I could have tried harder, even though I tried as hard as I could and did the very best to my ability. I don't know what I could have done differently. It took a long time to realize there was nothing different I could have done. They wanted a different life with different people, and I couldn't stop that from happening. But I felt toxic because of the pain and regret and the self-loathing and hopeless despair I was experiencing. And I didn't want to be around other people because I didn't want to infect them with my emotional disease. I mean, I didn't even want to be around myself. I didn't want to be that person anymore, the woman who burst out crying at random moments or for no apparent reason because she, she was so broken from the breakup of her family. And that's the first step, making a decision that you don't want to be the person in the story that you're telling and that you are ready to take action to make the necessary changes to create a new and sparkling life that fulfills your happiest dreams. Dan hasn't made that decision yet. He either doesn't want to or he isn't ready. I mean, some people actually enjoy reveling in their misery. And that's okay. Everyone is on a different journey with different time frames and lessons to learn. He said when he does come out of this, he will still regret his entire life. Not just his relationship. He said he will regret this entire life until the day he dies because of all the bad choices he's made. So basically, he's telling the same story this is just a different chapter with a new tragedy. Part of the healing process involves accepting what is. During the early stages, it's really about accepting the unacceptable, and that's pretty hard to do. Last week, Hector asked Diana to tell him how he's supposed to accept the fact that the mother of his two children had two other kids by two different men while he was in prison. 
So I'm going to read the next letter in the Hector and Diana series because it will make accepting the unacceptable a little easier by using a real-life story. So this letter is a response from Diana to Hector um, in regards to his, his previous letter. January 28, 2012. Dear Hector, how are you? Thank you for your very open and honest letter. I enjoyed reading it and appreciate that you trust me enough to share very deep and personal things with me. I'm also glad that you were able to talk to your mom about our correspondences and the Feast for the Soul program that you are involved in. I understand how you feel about being able to open up to me and how it's easier to do this when we know we will never meet. I'm not aware of your experience with Internet or how often you have used it, but dating sites and social sites are rampant on the Internet. Facebook is a very large social site. Some people use it for business and others use it to meet friends and share information. Most of the time, people have, quote, friends on Facebook and other social media sites that they don't even know and will never know. Tell me how a person can have 2,000 friends. People can possibly have met 2,000 people in their lives, but to say they are friends is far from the truth unless friendship means nothing these days. It takes time, devotion, patience, and commitment to be someone's friend. On these social media sites and dating sites, some people open up and tell everything to friends who are actually strangers. Then, if when they do meet from the Internet, like on a real date, the relationship is, is very false. It's out of balance. All of the person's deepest dreams and desires, likes and dislikes have been exposed before they have even heard the other person's voice or shaken hands. What I'm getting at is that it is very good to open up and share our deepest emotions and experiences with others. It's easy to do it when we think we will never meet a person and very difficult to do it with our friends or those closest to us because we feel they will judge us. We care if our closest friends and family judge us. It hurts. But it only stings for a short time if a stranger judges us and we can solve that problem by totally cutting off communication with that stranger. Unfortunately, that doesn't solve the issue we all have about being judged and condemned by others, especially those we love or care about. That issue lies deep within us. Wanting to be liked, loved, respected, understood, listened to, appreciated, and valued. All things in life have natural cycles and patterns. Summer follows spring and fall follows summer. Winter follows fall. These are natural cycles. They provide a sense of rhythm to life. Balance in life brings inner peace and tranquility. When any aspect of our lives are out of balance, it puts us in a state of inner conflict. There's a certain rhythm that makes for healthy relationships as well. It can be related to the rhythm of the seasons. We till the soil and plant the seed in the spring. We weed the garden and nurture the seed in the summer, putting a lot of hard work and effort to make sure it grows strong and healthy. In the fall, we harvest what we've planted and celebrate. Winter is a time for rest, our rest and the earth's rest. Relationships grow the same way. We, pre we prepare the soil and plant the seed meaning that we start slowly by learning a little bit about the other person while sharing a bit about ourselves with them. We're checking the soil or the ground where we are intending to plant a seed of trust. It would be foolhardy to toss our seed haphazardly into a swamp or desert only to watch it drown or wither and die because of the poor choice of ground. When we know we have fertile ground, we can trust to plant our seed and start watering, weeding, and nurturing what we have planted. Summer. Then when fall comes and it's time to reap our harvest, we can truly celebrate the work and the effort we have invested to grow tasty, nutritious food. In relationships, we need to make sure the person we are interested in is of quality. 
We can't tell by exchanging a few words or photos over the Internet. Nor can we tell after a few dates because we are still just seeing the surface. It takes time to get deeper and know what a person is all about. Even when people take that next step and meet, they still have to protect their hearts because just like the seed, the relationship is vulnerable to changing climates or emotional storms or drama. In the summer, we put much work to grow our seed, and in a relationship, that is the time we learn more and more about the other person, putting in the effort when the storms arise and disagreements happen. If relationships start out in this type of natural rhythm, then when harvest time comes, there truly will be a celebration. The celebration is deeper love. The love starts as an attraction, changes forms through the growth period while it is developing and deepening. Then it matures into unconditional love that lasts no matter what. If we planted our seed of hope, of attraction, of commitment in an individual where it cannot thrive or struggles too much, it's like planting orange trees in Alaska or expecting polar bears to survive in Florida. It's not that Alaska is bad or Florida is bad. It's that the climate in Alaska isn't conducive to growing oranges, nor is the climate in Florida supportive of the polar bear's needs. It's not that the other person is bad. It's that he or she was not the type of ground that will grow a healthy relationship. I hope I'm not being too metaphorical about all this. Relationships need the ingredients of all the seasons in proper order. So many people expect to have a great celebration of love before any of the real relationship work is even attempted. And the work starts within the self. The first step is being open and honest with ourselves. The next step is being able to be open and honest with everyone, whether we know them in person or we'll never know them. It doesn't mean we have to spill our guts out to anyone we meet. We still need to be discerning and protect the vulnerable seed. But we also need to develop the inner strength to be able to share our deepest emotions and experiences with anyone, should we choose to, without the fear of being judged. Life is about paradox. Strength comes from being vulnerable. It might not make sense, but it's the truth. Rhythm is just one aspect of developing healthy, long-lasting relationships. Another thing is detachment and attachment. In relationships, we get attached to something someone has or we think they have. It's usually something we think we are missing or need. For example, my 17-year-old daughter pursued a guy for almost a year. He was an okay guy, nothing wrong with him, but everyone who knows my daughter knew he was not the right guy for her. About two months ago, she landed him. But all they have done for the past year is fight, and it didn't get any better when they were officially boyfriend-girlfriend. They are constantly breaking up and getting back together again to the point where the drama of it all is boring everyone except them. Yesterday she told me she broke up for good. She said she spent a year pursuing something and now she doesn't even want it. But she says she feels sad and will spend the next week or so crying. She's feeling sad because she has attachments. Sometimes she and, and her boyfriend had fun. It wasn't all bad times. It never is with relationships. Sometimes there are good times and not so good times. My daughter wanted a friend, and although he really couldn't be that for her because he didn't have the relationship skill set, she ignored all of that and pretended in her mind that he was a friend because on the outside, sometimes that's what it looks like. When we have attachments, it's a sign that some aspect of ourselves feels incomplete and we think we need another person to fill that void for us, to make up for our shortcomings. What we fail to recognize is that everyone is just like us, trying to get filled from the outside, when what really needs to happen is healing of our own insecurities and sense of not being good enough. My daughter needs to be a friend to herself first. 
She needs to be her own very best friend. That means she needs to love everything about herself, all her weaknesses and strengths. She needs to totally accept herself and like who she is right now. Until that happens, she will always be looking for someone or something outside herself to make her feel whole and complete, and it will never happen. Never. We might think we are happy and content, but we will only be fooling ourselves. And when I started this letter, I mentioned that the first person we need to be open and honest with is ourselves. Journaling is a great way to be open. What we are doing is sort of like journaling. It's journaling with feedback and a personal response. It is a way for you to express those things you keep buried inside and don't feel comfortable or safe telling others. Let's spend a few minutes on letdowns. To be let down means we have or had expectations, whether they were expectations we hoped someone else would fulfill or that we ourselves wanted to fulfill but didn't. Either way, it didn't work out how we had hoped, expected, or desired, and we buried the negative emotions from these experiences in our cell tissues to become permanent memory. You said you have no control of anything. I beg to differ. You have control of your thoughts, your words, your emotions, and your feelings. Many people don't realize this and feel very victimized, weak, and helpless, and hopeless in life. Thoughts, words, and emotions hold a lot of energy. This energy can be used to improve your life or send you spiraling into depression. We all have the choice to choose positivity or negativity. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying we have the choice. I'll tell you something. We're all one big family, and I'm part of a global organization called Art of Living. It's an amazing nonprofit organization that, it, that has built schools in rural third world countries, installed toilets where there are none, dug wells so the town can drink pure water. I won't write all the things this organization does. It's not like any other service organization because there are very few paid positions in it. Everyone volunteers. All the money earned goes to helping others, unlike most nonprofit organizations. Only 15% goes to administration fees. The founder of The Art of Living is a spiritual master by the name of Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, or as we fondly call him, Guruji. He's like a living Jesus. Seriously, there are very few fully realized spiritual masters alive in the world. Most are fakes. Those who aren't fakes are good people, wise, and educated. Those who aren't fakes are good people, wise, educated, kind, compassionate, giving. But Guruji is like a living Jesus. I trust him entirely. He is in everyone and knows all. That's what happens when a spiritual master is born to this world. They come here for a purpose, and their only purpose is to help us. Before I write to you, I ask what I can say that will help you the most. I don't get a verbal answer. I just ask like in a prayer, and I trust that it is answered. Now here's the interesting part. I write to you using my middle name, which is actually Diane, but I've always preferred Diana over Diane, so that's what I'm using. At the time, I didn't know why, but I knew there was always a reason, and when we trust that we are being divinely guided, we don't always wait to find out the reason. We just go on with it and, and know that we're okay. listening to a higher voice. So that's what I did. I could have used any name, but Diana was the one that felt right. It felt more right than my first name, which is Nancy. Diana, spelled with one N, was the Roman goddess of the forest, the hunt, and wild animals. She later took over the Luna as the Roman goddess of the moon, responsible for fertility and childbirth. The moon represents our shadow self. Originally, Diana was queen of the open sky and possibly a sun goddess in addition to being a moon goddess. Her name means light. So I'm very glad you asked me to help you heal the issues you are having with the mother of your children. It's not coincidental that the name Diana is associated with childbirth. 
thus your children, and that she is the mother of your children. It looks like you are ready to heal this wound, and I am glad to help you in any way I can. She sends you letters because she still cares. I understand you feel anger and love at the same time. When you ignore her letters, you are in denial. Denial is not a healthy state to be in. It doesn't resolve anything, as you well know. The question is, what are you denying or resisting? It's not about her. It's about you. Believe it or not, it's never about the other person. It's always about ourselves. There are some things I learned about acceptance that might help you lessen your resistance. I'll get to it in a moment. First, let's look at what you can accept. Number one, she is the mother of your children. Two, you can forgive her for her first child that is not yours. What you cannot accept. Number one, her letters. Number two, her having a second child that is not yours. Now, the things that you can accept are not an issue, obviously. But let's have a look at the things you are having difficulty accepting and break them down into smaller pieces to the point where you can accept something about it. For instance, can you accept the fact that she did have a second child? It doesn't mean you have to like it. It's just a fact. I'm only asking if you can accept the fact, not the emotions involved or the right or wrong of it or even the child. I'm guessing it's not the fact that you can't accept, but all the betrayal, hurt, and emotions that come with it. Okay, so here's the cool part. All you need to do now is accept that you cannot accept the betrayal. I'm not asking you to accept the betrayal. I'm asking if you can accept that you can, can't accept the betrayal. That's it. Accepting that you can't accept something is the first step in accepting everything all the time. Hard to believe, but true. So just decide what you can accept, then accept that you can't accept the rest. That's it. Gradually, you will be able to accept more and more. You're absolutely right, Hector. We can't control other people. We can't control what they do, think, say, or how they behave towards us or others. All we can control is our own thoughts, emotions, and words. By control, I don't mean bury, block, or hide. I mean developing a sense of integrity, inner peace, and love for all so that we always say things that uplift others. We always think things about others that are positive, and our actions will never be things we regret doing. It takes practice. The first step is when we start thinking bad things about another person, immediately switch thoughts and find the positive. Everyone has positive qualities. Focus on them and it will draw more of that behavior from them. Practice it in your mind. It's easy to think nice things about someone who is nice. It's more challenging to think nice things about someone who hurt us or is unkind to us. After accepting something, there is no more. It's just accepting. That means it doesn't hold any charge for you anymore. Again, it's not about burying feelings. It's not about having feelings about it one way or another. For instance, grass. This may seem like a silly example, but it's the only one I can think of right now. Thinking about grass doesn't trigger me. I don't like it or dislike it. I don't get angry when it's long or short, filled with weeds, or perfectly manicured. I have accepted grass into my life just as it is, no matter where it is or what it's doing. And I have accepted that I have grass on my property. Once I've accepted it, I have the choice to act or not to act. I can roll around in it, walk on it, cut it, or not pay any attention to it at all, and focus my thoughts on something else. Since I live in town and not on farmland far away from other houses and people, I have to make some choices regarding my grass. I can let it grow long and have the neighbors complain and risk getting a citation from the local authorities. I can stew about what I'm going to do, creating a lot of stress in my life before I actually make a decision. Or I can cut it and go on with my life. I can also plow it all under and pour concrete and be done with it grass altogether. Not because I like or dislike it, but because a maintenance-free yard might be a better option for me. It isn't, and I choose to cut my grass, 
but regardless, I have accepted grass. I've accepted that I have a lot of grass, and I've accepted that if I want to keep my yard looking nice, I need to take responsibility for the grass in my yard. So what do you do after you accept? I think right now you don't need to do anything. It's very difficult to have a relationship from prison for both you and Diana. She can't put her life on hold for you because she doesn't know how long you will be out of her life. Didn't you say you are in prison for many years? I truly hope that it is not the case, but if it is, it is her life and she needs to make the decision about how she will live. Both of you will be very changed people once you meet again on the outside. You are already experiencing a lot of growth. Your growth will continue. Do we know if Diana is taking the initiative to grow? You don't need to make any decisions about what you want to do with your relationship at this time. Just accept what you can and accept that you can't accept what you cannot and let it go. I know it hurts and that's the part we can work on. Getting to the point where it doesn't hurt so the decisions you make will not be emotional decisions. In regards to her letters, I don't think about anything in terms of right or wrong. I can tell you that by ignoring her letters, you won't get over her because that is denial and resistance. What we resist persists. So let's try to get to the point where you can accept something about the letters. I can only imagine, but it seems like getting letters in prison is something one would look forward to because they don't come 10 a day like emails. So that makes every one of them special in some way. A letter is like a gift. She's reaching out to you. You do not have to respond. The only way to get over her is by letting go of the attachment. Then it won't matter if she writes or doesn't write. It would be like me walking down the street and looking at people's houses. They can have grass or not have it, and it won't trigger my emotions. I won't look at one house and feel sad that they don't take care of their grass or angry that another place doesn't have grass at all or happy when I see grass. Do you see what I mean? So let's start by trying to accept the fact that she is sending you letters. After you accept that, you can make a decision whether to read them or not. After you decide whether to read them or not, you can make the next decision, whatever that may be. Take it one step at a time. I'll tell you right now that a woman with four young children needs a heck of a lot of help. Being a mom is not an easy job. Being a single mom is even harder. Even raising two children is a full-time job with no time for anything else. I can't imagine what it's like to raise four kids. I have two daughters, and they took all my time. We all want to raise our kids the very best we can, regardless of what it looks like to others from the outside. That is not always easy, even in the best of situations. I don't know the circumstances, but Diana may not have had those other two children out of desire. Things happen. People get lonely and persuaded into things that they don't always want to do. There are always two sides to every story because there are two people with hopes, dreams, desires, and emotions. No one is right or wrong. We just end up hurting each other without meaning to because of our own ignorance. I'm sure Diana must be feeling a sense of abandonment, kind of like when soldiers go away to war. As mothers, girlfriends, and sisters, we understand, but that doesn't diminish our sense of feeling abandoned. And that is not your fault. She may have past issues of abandonment she needs to deal with, and this presented her with the opportunity to do so. It's her chance to grow, just like it's your chance. Right now, she has all the responsibility for your two kids and the other two. I'm guessing she's in her 20s, which means she probably doesn't have the tools or experience to deal with her own issues and raise kids. But we are never given challenges we are not capable of handling. So I'm told. My spiritual master said our issues are like tails. God gave animals tails, but he never gave an animal a tail that is too heavy for him to carry. 
It's the same with us and our challenges. Our challenges are like tails. We carry them around with us, and they are never too heavy, although sometimes they seem to tie us down. My guess is that Diana is writing to you because she doesn't have anyone else to turn to. She may not be able to say it in words, but let's face it, it takes time, energy, and effort to write letters. How much time does a mother of four have? This is your opportunity to see things from a different perspective. I know it's painful to know your woman slept with another man, but that's just your ego that is hurting, not your heart. Hearts know only unconditional love. To our hearts, it doesn't matter what a person does or doesn't do. We still love them. When they make mistakes or choices that hurt themselves or others, we have compassion for them. That's where the unconditional part comes in. To our egos, there is right or wrong, good or bad, should-haves and shouldn't-haves, but our heart knows only love. When I am confronted with hurt, anger, rage, jealousy, or other negative emotions that are threatening to rule my decisions and actions, I ask myself, what would Guruji or Jesus do? Then I try to be like them the best I can. I don't always succeed, but each time I try, I am one step closer to being a more loving person. You are doing fine, Hector. You are asking yourself questions that are difficult to answer. These are the kinds of questions that help you uncover the deepest part of yourself. Only by asking and reaching deeper into yourself can you achieve that inner peace. Keep going. You are definitely on the right track. It will all work out. Powers higher than you, me, your family want the very best for you. And so shall it be. Diana. That's it for today. Catch us next week for more questions and answers from a perspective that is slightly askew in a good way. Until then, keep it real and keep it responsible. Thanks for joining us again on Slightly Askew with Nancy at noon. We've enjoyed your company and hope it's been fun for you too. If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends and family because, well, they might like us too. You can find us online at nancyatnoon.com. We've got fascinating blog posts, recipes, self-help books, weight loss CDs, coaching programs, art, jewelry, and all kinds of other cool stuff. Go ahead and check us out. NancyAtNoon.com. You'll be glad you did. Here we go.